living in a world gone geek. It's time to geek hard or go home. The podcast is real. Here's your host, Grounded Geek. Hey guys, it is another Sunday night, which means it's time for the podcast is real from World Gone Geek. I'm your host, Jeff, also known as Grounded Geek. We're glad that you're here. It's a very exciting show tonight. We've got a great guest. Can't wait to get to that. But before we do, I'm going to uh, bring in uh, my co-host. Let's uh, go ahead and take a look here. We got Aaliyah. Welcome Hi. to the show. And then we got the birthday boy. Uh, he showed up tonight. There he is. Happy birthday, Utah. Happy birthday. Greetings programs. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't expect you to be here tonight because uh, it was your birthday. I said, if you needed to party, go party. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, after a certain, after a certain age, partying ends at six. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, no, we still party here, right? I mean, we have, we, we this have is a party. And, this is I, a party. And I look. I guess it can be. Here, we, look at what my family got have, me. Uh, Ooh, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. It looks like it was a K-pop birthday. Is that what I'm Yes. Yes. My family has fueled my K-pop obsession even further by giving me uh, gifts for a different K-pop group than the one we saw in Fort Worth. So this is a Blackpink light stick, which is kind of like those toy hammers that, you know, make a sound when you, but it lights up and it's black and pink, thus the name. There you go. And then I've got a little light up plushie. And this one actually has a microphone in it. So you can see it's uh, sound activated with the Blackpink logo. And it's very soft and it's in the shape of the heart. It's very nice. (laughs) Very cool. I love that. Yes. So uh, yeah, it was was a very pleasant surprise. I wasn't uh, expecting anything really. I thought we, uh, you know, did all the big stuff last year. Yeah. Um, but no, they surprised me. And so now when your birthday it, happens once a year, it happens. <laughs> it comes and, around and at the same time, too, which is weird, right? Like right. Every, just keep, <laughs> it's like the same day every year. It. it just keeps I, happening. I, 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 yeah, I don't know what it is, but um, it's nice because Blackpink was actually one of the first K-pop groups that uh, I got into. Um, mostly because they have a documentary on Netflix called... Um, uh, what's it called? Light up the sky. Ah, about and Black um, Pink. yes, about Blackpink. And yeah. so they're like the biggest girl group. Uh, a lot of people haven't heard of, but <laughs> well, I mean, if you, okay. I mean, if you paid attention to any of the the K-pop, and if you have kids, like my, I mean, Rachel was really into yeah, One uh, Direction, BTS, no, and no, BTS, the K-pop group, yeah, BTS. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and I was like, who? And then I watched some of their music videos and uh, they're, I mean, oh my gosh, they're so catchy. It's not even, it's not even funny. It's, it's kind of nuts how yeah. uh, the songwriters and producers come up with such catchy and, uh, you know, the earworms. They're just oh, really. definitely. <laughs> yeah. And you wouldn't think, but yeah. And so here you are becoming a K-pop fan. I mean, I can't say I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a fan because I'm not like you know, necessarily seeking out new K-pop fans or, or listening, um, but. Or going to concerts. I, what or- I've heard. Yeah. It's some good stuff like BTS. Is, is a is a really good uh uh really good group um from what i've heard of uh blackpink they sound they have a good sound it's pretty cool so the uh, yeah, yeah the, the 50 year old men getting into cave <laughs> <laughs> hey you're never too young i no, guess not hey if i go to a one yeah. direction concert 
I suppose uh, I suppose I could go to the K-pop concert. Hey, my, I will even my daughter is is uh, you know she's what? like twenty two now, so. <laughs> which is the perfect age for going to a K-pop Probably. concert. Yeah, um, but she's married. I, I, he, he, he can put he, the bill now, for now, that one. <laughs> right now, it's his turn. It's That's his right. responsibility. Yeah. No, hey, when when I when I took uh, Simi yeah. to Twice, I was not the only parent there. I'm just going to say that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Same thing in One Direction. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, go ahead. It doesn't. Maria. It doesn't stop when they get married. It stops <laughs> as soon as they, as soon as your child moves out or they turn 18 for some kids, yeah. to footing the bill. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that, oh yeah, that's not the only time. Yeah, you're right. Um, Speaking of from personal true. experience, are you? Oh, really? absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Aliyah's got to pay for her own One Direction tickets now. That's right. <laughs> no, Aliyah's been happy. To, this is my dad's like, okay, so if we're going to, if we're going to do this, you're paying for both of us, right? <laughs> oh, hey, role reversal. Oh, hold on a second. Your yeah, dad might be shoot. onto something. Yeah, Jacob and I went to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. I should have, and Libby and I went to see the Batman like they should be footing the bill now. Don't they should have. They should have paid for your to ticket, man. Right. You see? But my dad yeah. includes interest on in, anything and everything. <laughs> wait, like, he charges interest. <laughs> he's like, okay, what if? Wait, like daily? Yeah, or hourly. <laughs> 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 he's such a dad. <laughs> but oh my like, gosh. that's today, hilarious. Yesterday, I went over there to go visit them and. <laughs> Um, we were out of toilet paper and obviously we need toilet paper. And so my mom was, they, they get their, their stuff from Sam's club. So they're, they had a stock of toilet paper. Oh yeah. In bulk. And yeah, bulk toilet paper. And I was like, well, if you give me that, dad's going to make me pay for it. <laughs> He's going to find out one way or another. He will. And as soon as I walked out there, he was like, all right, so it's, uh, there's 235 sheets. That's $5 a sheet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh my gosh. Plus interest. It's like a thousand dollars. Just for a 32 pack of toilet paper. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, I mean, there's inflation, you know, I mean, true. shipping the, prices right we've now. We've got there's the supply war chain Ukraine, issues. Like all this stuff. Supply there's a lot issues. of things happening. Yeah, yeah supply yeah. demand. And gas prices alone and toilet paper's next, right? Right. Yeah, now, isn't that how it works? Isn't that like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, and, the, and, and then after toilet paper comes internet access. Oh, yeah. let's not even go there because then that would... <laughs> That would, boy, can you imagine? <laughs> like everybody flipped out over there not being enough toilet paper when the pandemic started. Can you imagine if the if the internet went down in the United States? Yeah, right. Right. Or, if all no. a, or if all of a sudden internet act like you, instead of paying whatever you're paying a month, all of a sudden it doubles or oh, triples. Doubles? Yeah. Oh, that could happen, right? I mean, there's don't no say that out loud. No oversight over that. I, don't think I tripped like, out when I saw a phone bill that was three hundred dollars, and I was like, "Who the that? heck are you calling?" <laughs> No, I, was, I didn't know. Are you calling like a psychic hotline? Do they still have those? <laughs> yeah, do they still have one nine one nine hundred numbers? Is that what you're doing? They charge no. you like you know what is it a buck fifty a minute or something? The- no, I had it was when I got this new phone and um all the first month fees. charges. Yeah, 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 yeah. and that's yeah. apparently I was also behind a month. I didn't know. <laughs> so, yeah, they, yeah, that's funny. They conveniently forget to tell you, oh, in your first month is going to be a baller. <laughs> yeah, they did not tell me that. They did not tell yeah, me yeah, that. They, My sister told me. She works at AT&T. They tried to play me. Oh, boy. They all do. Anyway, I know. <laughs> Except for that one owned by Ryan Reynolds. I hear I hear he's a nice guy. Mint. Yes. yes. 
Yeah, don't oh. don't upset Mint because we'd love for them to be a sponsor, and then Ryan Reynolds will be a guest. That would be awesome. Um, now, hey, uh, speaking of sponsors, so last week uh, we gave away some movies. Paramount Pictures was kind enough to give us some movies, which we gave away. We had some winners. Uh, we started a new thing. We're going to do it again this week. We, it's a movie quote of the week. So I picked a movie quote. We're going to play it for you. All you have to do is call our speak pipeline call. Uh, you know, it's on the internet. So speakpipe.com. <laughs> you can tell my background is in radio. So it's kind of like, call me, call me. We'll take the seventh caller. No, um, go to speakpipe.com slash world gun geek. Record yourself saying the movie quote of the week, which we're going to play shortly. And we're going to give you um, a free digital code. So this week there was supposed to be a new set of movie codes. I was out of town. Don't get me started on my trip <laughs> to Orlando um, and losing my wallet Orlando. In and oh, spending no. 48 hours trying to get a hold of them. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Anyway, it's not so Orlando. It's oh no, that, Lando. <laughs> it was it was a bad week. It was a really <laughs> bad week. Um, uh, but it's good now. Everything's good now. Everything's well, back. You've got um, your wallet. Huh? You got your wallet? Oh, oh, see, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do the whole thing. But you brought it up. I know. So uh, yes, the driver called me uh, last night. Told me he had it. He's going to mail it to me tomorrow, which is great. That's um, awesome. So he's great. Uber is terrible. Like this is. Uh, if you well, follow me, kind of geek on Twitter, you can see some of my tirades <laughs> against Uber support, and they keep trying to get me to go to the DMs because that way nobody sees what I'm saying. Yeah, and um, you're like, and, uh -uh. But, but they don't respond to me in the DMs. They only respond when I speak out. In the <laughs> when world. you call them out in public, yeah. So I don't know, and you know, but it's it's finally resolved. But it did take way too long uh, from Uber. I mean, there, it was the support. Uh, there, and, and I've loved Uber forever. Like I've been, a yeah, using them for quite a while, uh, over Lyft even no offense to Lyft, but I just have always been an Uber guy, mm -hmm. but their support really did mustache, fail this right? time. They really failed this time. So, um, I'm hoping, uh, uh, you know, oh, I didn't know if I was, yeah, <laughs> you're now liking my Twitter posts about Uber support. It's getting notifications. I should have turned the sound off. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take that off. All right. Uh, yeah. So crazy week. Um, and it, during the time they ended up to where we do not have any new movies to give away this week, but I still have an extra code for scream. It's a digital code. You'll own it digitally. Um, as, as, as well as you can own something that's digital and in the, in the cloud somewhere, uh, but it'll be yours. Um, we'll give you that digital code. If you go to speakpipe.com slash world gun geek and record yourself saying the movie, a quote of the week, and here it is. Damn it, Jim, what the hell is the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. Why are we treating yours like a funeral? All right. And that was in honor of Utah's <laughs> birthday today. So um, I'll play it one more time. Damn it, Jim, what the hell is the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. Why are we treating yours like a funeral? All right. So, and, and do, uh, you know what? Bonus entries for your best uh, Bones impression, right? Do, uh, right. Uh, Dr. Doc McCoy. We Dr. Hear McCoy. Uh, so if you can do it li like uh, him, and, and it could be uh, DeForest Kelly or or Carl Urban. Carl Urban. Whichever one. Whichever. So one Carl Urban wanted. did a really great impression. I mean, he, he did, really. Right? He sounded so good. He was it didn't yeah. sound like an impression. You know what I mean? Like right. He, that that was my favorite part was, of it. Was like, it was, was very like, much an homage. Like a guy doing an impression, he like right. made it his own a little bit. And it was, but yeah. it was still it was still like essentially bones. Anyway, all right. So give give us a call at <laughs> speak, 
Give us a Ilya's call. like at speakpike.com slash world gone geek. Star Trek's out of uh, Aaliyah's like, nope. Um, <laughs> we'll coach yourself saying the movie of the week, and uh, we're going to give you uh, someone. We'll draw a winner uh, probably around Wednesday or Thursday, and uh, somebody's getting a copy of Scream. Um, it's interesting. So I, was, awesome. I was talking to uh, one of the older gentlemen at the church yesterday, and he was like, oh, I remember when the very first Star Trek came out, and I'm just <laughs> looking at him like. In the theaters uh, or on TV? Yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, that's even before Utah and I. So that's true. By, the TV show did come a, out before we were born. Not a, not a whole lot of years, but a few. Fair. He's fair. on TV, but but I'm gonna. I know it's not a it's not a whole lot, but I'm claiming that. Yeah, 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 it came yeah, out yeah, before yeah. I was born. Yes, I, same I, I, I second. Those, I second. Those, you know, four, give me those. Give me those couple of years. It. Yeah, I need it. <laughs> I need it. Really do. After this week. All right. Uh, <laughs> With the Oscars coming up next week, and don't forget, we have our award show special 2022 next Sunday night before the Oscar telecast from seven to eight. Oh yeah. So if you choose not to watch everyone strut down the red carpet and gawk at the amazing outfits, come. Uh, here and gawk at us. Gawk um, at us in our maybe amazing one outfits. Of us will be wearing a fancy outfit. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but that'll be our Oscar special. And and in anticipation <laughs> of that, we have a very uh, special guest tonight who is actually an Oscar nominated uh, writer, screenwriter. He's worked on tons of shows. Some of some of these uh, that we're going to talk about tonight, you're going to recognize. They're some of your favorite shows. He's been involved, and now. He's making the transition from screenwriting into author with a brand new book called The Man Who Came and Went. Please welcome to the show, Joe Stillman. Welcome. Welcome. Hey. Hey, Hi. Hey, Joe. So glad you could be here. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about, um, we're going to start, I think, kind of, well, I would like to get into your career. Like, to, I would love to know how someone gets started doing what you do. Usually we, we do have sometimes actors. We've had a couple of, of screenwriters on, and it's really great sometimes to hear that story of coming up and like, where did you get the bug to do this? And, and, and why is this what you chose to do with your life? <laughs> I, uh, hmm. I don't know uh, if there's a really clear <laughs> answer. It just kind of happened by sort of by accident. Sure. But I, I went to film school. I was making short films, and it seemed like the thing to do was write screenplays. So I just started to do that. And uh, while I was doing that, um, and uh, spending about you know a, you know some years trying to trying to get good at it, I was making a living um, quite by accident um, writing copy for movie trailers. Yeah. And that sort of led me, you know, bit by bit to, um, it led me to promos working for Nickelodeon and other cable companies. And it was really that road, the promo road that eventually led me to do, um, a show, uh, to work on a show as a writer for Nickelodeon called the adventures of Pete and Pete. Yes. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. You guys know that show? Oh yeah. yes, of course. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that's one of the exciting I so I knew, I knew that people would get excited about that one because you know that's, that's like old school Nickelodeon, right? Like yeah. that's when Nickelodeon was still like really uh I mean it was I don't know how to describe it now. I still like pretty, some of the stuff they're doing now, but yeah. Uh, you go all the way back to you can't do that in television, Adventures right. of Pete and Pete, like the yeah. uh what what was the salute your shorts, right? Yep, yep all those right. those are great. Tell Back us when they only had one that. channel. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> well, that was, you know, that, that show um, began as a minute-long vignette series. 
uh, if you know what I mean by that. It was it was um, huh. sixty seconds, and it came um, between uh, during commercial breaks on Nickelodeon, and uh, it originated in the promo department. You know, there were a bunch of us working there, and and um, Will McRobb and Chris Viscardi, um, two um, people in the promo department, writers and producers. Uh, were given the go-ahead to make this minute-long vignette series. Uh, if you ever get to see them, I don't know how you would, but they're just little little bits of genius. And eventually, the president of Nickelodeon, Jerry Laybourne, uh, really grew to like it. And she said, why don't you do a special? So they did one special, then another special. And, and finally, uh, they were commissioned to just do the first season of the show. Wow. Wow. So, so, and so That's, you were, you were a staff writer, you were head writer. Like how did, how, how, what were you on that show? Was as on, far as on writing? Pete, Pete. Well, it was, you know, it was basically me, uh, Will and Chris, the two creators. And, and, uh, we had some freelancers, freelance writers who worked for us, but we were the ones who were there on staff and, and, uh, rewriting all, all the episodes. So whose idea was the tattoo on a, on a child? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? like, that was, who yeah, are you going think, after legally? Because uh, <laughs> you put a tattoo on a child. And, oh, I love it. I think it's hilarious. Considered abuse. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that, I'm thinking that was probably Will. Um, That's funny. Will McRobb and Chris Viscardi became like, you know, partners and just, you know, created a, a couple shows after that. Um, so yeah, that was Will, and and you guys had a a lot a th a throughout the kind of his history of that show had a lot of kind of rock and roll legends come on oh to be guest stars too. How did, yeah. that, how did that happen? Yeah, what and was Michael that like? Stipe and right. I believe Debbie Harry was on there one. Iggy Pop, who else? Yeah, there's some uh, others. It just kind of it snowballed, uh, and it was it was um, you know rock people. It was also actors. Um, uh, I, I I don't know if I'm going to be shooting myself in the foot to say this, but there was an episode that I wrote where Iggy Pop had to sing a song, um, <laughs> and uh, and I wrote a song that he sang, and I was feeling really good about myself, except. The song was kind of purposely bad. I mean, the joke was that it was a really bad song. <laughs> uh, but it was still a really cool thing. Well, yeah, yeah right? Icky Pop singing your song? Doesn't matter whether it's bad or good, right? I mean, it's incredible. And he didn't punch me in the face after. Yeah. It was a really good song. <laughs> so, so you kind of, so that's Nickelodeon's kind of where you got your like uh, episodic. Yeah, uh, but career started right. Where yeah. did that take you? Well, while that was going on, um, I think it was season two. Uh, somebody in the promo department in Nickelodeon knew somebody in the promo department at MTV, and so uh, I went over there to see if I could write for Beavis and Butthead. Didn't know anything about it. Um, and so, you know, I pitched a show, an episode idea to Mike, it worked out. And so I was kind of doing that concurrently, which was cool because Beatles Butthead was freelance. I didn't have to be in an office for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of how that kind of got started. So what, so, okay, so what, well, I got to know what it was like working at Beavis and Butthead. 
<laughs> well, or did was, you just do the one episode, or had you? Did no, you get, no, did I did work with Michael like more a than a lot. Yeah. I mean, it was it was honestly just ridiculously fun. Um, <laughs> one time, I was um, playing pool with Mike. You know, he didn't know New York too well, and I I knew these pool places, and so. I, I, I really, I forget the reason, but whatever, I, I, I had to go pee. And I and, uh, got the idea for um, an episode called uh, Difficulty Urinating, where um, Beavis and Bughead kind of like, you know, think too much and, and, and they can't really remember how to urinate. And, and they try to do it, you know, like control it with their minds, but they can't. And so it becomes this prolonged thing where they just you know, need help to, to try to like pee. Um, so it's that kind of like world where you, you know, it didn't matter. wasn't getting paid much, but it was just fun. You know? Well, and, and if you know imagine. Beavis and Butthead, them yeah. have overthinking something is not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's gotta be a lot of fun working for, especially shows. Like, I mean, you've, Pete and Pete was kind of the same way in Beavis and Butthead. They're both these like, they're not, they don't quite take place in like a reality that make, you know what I mean? Like right. Right. things can happen in there that just would be absurd. And you can really explore a lot of really crazy ideas. Like, oh, like totally. that. Yeah. You know, you know, there was an episode, uh, just, you know, cause most of your audience won't have seen the show, but where, um, little Pete, um, it's a show about two brothers named Pete, uh, Pete. Big Pete and Little Pete. And Little Pete realizes that the underwear inspector, I forget the number, but it was like inspector, you know how on your, on your clothes, if you, if you <laughs> dig in, there's a little number like inspected by, by whatever. Pete. Yeah. And, um, and so he decided that, you know, this, this person's been inspecting his underwear all his life and he just, you know, wanted to honor him and thank him. And so it became that, you know, an episode where he meets his underwear inspector. Who thought of that? Who was like, oh That's man, you know That's what? what I love. This, yeah. That's this, fantastic. My, this pair of underwear, like who, who first realized that? I need to know. Like who, like who's, well, I guess, uh. You know, they they want people to feel like the sense of ownership for the underwear that they inspect, and the, and, and if your number's on the underwear, then you know, gosh darn it, you're going to do a really good well, job. I didn't right. realize that people inspected right. underwear, but I guess there's a job for everything. Uh, it's it's quality control. You you know, if you're, you're right. if you're fruit of the loom, you don't want bad underwear to leave the factory. And, you got to check the underwear. People responsible, you know, like right. You don't want yeah, anybody to get away yeah. with, with bad underwear. It's, uh, <laughs> it's America, man. And let's That's face it, correct. it's not a career that gets enough uh, encouragement around here, right? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, wh where are the degrees for underwear inspe inspection? And I feel like, that uh, I feel like a that's a trade. That be yeah, I think yeah. that's a trade school thing. I don't know if the there's well, a degree. Enough. The, they're, the trades are more important sometimes than these college degree jobs. And here, oh, underwear inspector has been totally neglected. Do you know one person who, who actually has that job? Well, you know, career day in my high school, you know, the underwear inspector came around to. Are you to serious? Talk. No. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, no. no. Like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he was being, he's being that's my point, right? Like, that's a job you don't even think. Somebody's got that job. That's cool. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of like, that's the thing you realize when you get out of college and you go into the world. Like, there's a lot of jobs that you would just never think existed. And you mm -hmm. begin to, yeah. to realize it's, uh, it's out there in the world. 
Yeah, it's true. Those those underwear inspectors could even, they might be living double lives. You know, (laughs) they like, they, they're told not to reveal their actual occupation as underwear inspectors. So they have to make something up for their families. Exactly. That's the premise. He was kind of a superhero. But then they're they're going around and when they see somebody's, you know, underwear hanging out their pants or something, they're like, oh, (laughs) I inspected those. (laughs) That could be, that could be a whole thing. You know, maybe that's where that trend started, you know, with the the pants. They wanted to, they were proud of, they wanted the inspectors to get, to get they were giving the, the inspectors recognition. We've been, we've been hiding our, the inspectors work for all this time. We, we make very, very careful not to show it or, but we don't want anybody to see that. And, and somebody at some point said, Hey, I'm just going to let it, I'm going to let it fly out there. Everybody yeah, you should know. know. That is, Inspe- that's inspector six. Inspector 72 needs recognition. And right. here it is. That's I, I choose to believe that's why it's going on. Yeah. <laughs> that's all good. You're, you're so, a glasses <laughs> asshole kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you work on the Beavis and Butthead movie as well? Or did that? Yes, uh, I did. How, so how did, how does that come about where a TV show gets to become a movie? Did somebody approach uh, Mike judge or was Mike judge like, we got to make this into a movie. Like, like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg in that kind of situation? In, in this case, I think that Paramount was uh, the studio involved and, and, uh, and they thought it would be a good idea. So they, they came to Mike. And, you know, I, I think I told you I'd been writing spec screenplays for like a, a real, like horribly long period of time. And, um, and uh, so I showed a, a screenplay of mine to Mike and he was into it. So uh, that's how I got to, to work on the movie. Awesome. And so uh, what was that experience like? Like as far as like, was that your, so was that the first major motion picture from one of your script, scripts you were involved with? I love that you call it a major motion picture. And it, and it was. <laughs> yeah. but, it, um, it totally was. It, it was like, um, it, it was funny, right? Because the whole infrastructure existed for the TV show. And so they took that same production infrastructure and, and put it towards the movie, which made it, I don't want to say easy because they, they produced it and I didn't. Um, but it was a, it was, a, it was, I don't know. It was a great experience. What was your question again? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I was just curious what that was like. Was that your first time that something you'd worked on was, uh, was in theaters? Like, was that the first oh, movie? Totally, movie? Totally. Yeah. I had once gotten to write a screenplay for George Romero. Um, oh, wow. And it was supposed to get made, but in, but his the only reason he had me write it is because he was on a production. It was called Monkey Shines. He was making that movie. And oh, yeah. um, that movie went over schedule because they were working with a monkey and the monkey just, you know, did not really cooperate. You know, <laughs> stay in his trailer, refused to come out. Oh, my and gosh. Wanted, you know, a you know, diva better, monkey, you know, TV oh. cable, whatever. That's the worst. Um, <laughs> but this was the first movie produced, you know, that I worked on, and that was just mind blowing. That was great. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming was it a zombie script for Romero, or was it something else? It was. Um, it was called Apartment Living, and uh, set in Florida, um, like the. Yeah, it was about an apartment uh, that was built over the Fountain of Youth. And so the building itself uh, came to life and um, kind of like had a, a bit of a romantic thing going on with, um, you know, one of our main characters. It's a little, Interesting. 
okay. a rom-com <laughs> between a tenant and a building. It. <laughs> yeah. No, that's interesting. I mean, you know, when you say George Romero, like you, you typically think of like zombies. You think of zombies. Yeah, that's right. true. So that's interesting that he was looking for something in that, in that arena. Well, there could have been zombies and we don't know. Yeah. Were there zombies? <laughs> well, I think there were some zombies on the, on the production, you know, on the cruise. Oh, there you so go. Yeah, sure. That yeah. sort of like satisfied the. Especially early in the morning. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> now, so going from, uh, I guess, so I want to get jump into kind of later in your career, but I, I would love to hear any other stories leading up to that as well. But, you know, I mentioned at the, at the top of the show that you're, um, You've been nominated for an Oscar. You're, in fact, you're our first Oscar nominee ever on the podcast is real. So thank you yes, so much indeed. for coming on. So thank you so much for coming. It gives us a little bit of credibility now that we are interviewing an Oscar right. nominee. Well, wait, wait. Well, <laughs> did you did you win a BAFTA? Did you win the BAFTA? Yeah, they won the BAFTA, right? Okay. Yes. Yes, we yeah. did. Well, see, we have an award winner here. This is great. That's true. So absolutely, yeah. I don't want to ignore the overseas trophy. That's of course very important. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and so I haven't mentioned. So, so for those of you who don't know, Joe helped uh, wrote Shrek, which is you know one of the uh, funniest comedy. And I know well, Aaliyah's been uh, Aaliyah's so excited for this interview. She's a, a Shrek fan. Uh, my my uh, son-in-law is a huge Shrek fan. Um, <laughs> it turns out. Uh, so I don't know if they're watching tonight, but um, yeah. So uh, tell us how Shrek came about. Classic. Uh, let's see. I had. Moved to LA after Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill were done, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, Beavis and, and Pete and Pete, and I, I was working on King of the Hill, and uh, after that, um, I just you know because I work in animation, you know, I met with DreamWorks folks, and they they brought me on to to work on that. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with with animation, but basically, it takes a really really long time. Sure. Uh, to to do to make an animated film, it, it yeah. could be, um, let's say, four to five years, and that was the case with Shrek. So they had been working on it for a couple of years before I came on, and then I came on um, as like a, a rewrite guy and spent about two years on it. Wow. And and I, initially, I know when they went to produce it, didn't it was. Uh, Chris Farley, I think, was who they had in mind yeah. for Shrek. Is that right? When I when I got there, Chris Farley had had voiced everything. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's, uh, some, there's some clips yeah. out there of like the um, animatics with his with his voice his performance. His performance. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, it's hard to imagine it not being Mike Myers after all. I know. because it's I know. so iconic now. You know what I mean. <laughs> But I love, I absolutely loved Chris Farley and it was a huge loss to him for him not to be still making movies. But yeah, I love that guy. I know. I know. That was, that was a strange experience. I, I never, I wasn't on it when he was on it himself. I, I didn't get there until Mike Myers was, was doing track. Interesting. Okay. So you and got so the that, meat. That, Go ahead, Aaliyah. Oh, sorry. I love Shrek so much. I, it's just one of those movies that's just like you could quote it at any point in time. Like you, when you're sad, when you're happy, when you're around friends or family, and that's for me, family. Like we yeah. just randomly will <laughs> just quote Donkey or that's a nice boulder, you know, like just yeah, just random, random things. But. Um, <laughs> 
I just, I'm very curious about the concept ideation behind, behind Shrek. Um, and even, you know, obviously the writing, um, how that kind of came about. Well, know. you know, or, or maybe you don't, Shrek was uh, originally um, a kid's book by um, William Steig. Am I getting that right? I think. And I didn't, it's I didn't a that. very minimal book, um, but you can take that and expand, and, and that's what happened. And the first writers who were on, um, Ted and Terry, um, uh, I'm forgetting their last names, but you know, guy, come on, you know, Ted and Terry. Sure. Oh uh, yeah. Jeez. Uh, they, they did a lot of work to, to flesh out, um, what was going on and applaud the characters. And, and all I can really tell you about a process like that is it's kind of evolutionary. Um, and it happens kind of like one like stage at a time when you do animation at that level, um, you you literally create the movie in storyboard form. Mm-hmm. You, you there are storyboard artists who do scenes and they do them, you know, back and forth with writers, and then they put those scenes onto uh, video because you've seen some animatics, mm-hmm. and you create the whole movie in animatic form, and it has music and it has effects, and then you sit down in a in a big movie theater and you watch it with a whole lot of people who worked on it and p- other people working on other movies at DreamWorks. And then you realize um, how how very much you suck and how very <laughs> bad the movie is, and but you created some scenes that are really really good, and you go to a very big room with a very big table that is a very intimidating room because everybody's talking about like what their impressions are, and then you go back to the drawing board and you make the movie again and you do that over and over and over. And and because you get to see your work at all these different stages, I think it gives you a a shot at at doing a better job. Interesting. So do they, sorry, do they, um, like you start, they give you a concept, right? Now we're going to create this, this Shrek movie, uh, give you kind of like some information and then you start writing or do you work with the storyboard artists and you guys start collaborating together? Like, what is that start process like? There's no one particular way that that happens. And every project, whether it's a movie or TV show, you know, well, just to talk about movies, because movies have a way of really being very, very different depending on, on, on how you're working. For instance, on Beavis and Butthead, um, we, we, we handed off the script and they made the script almost like it was a live action movie. They had the script in hand and everything was animated. Um, in the case of Shrek, uh, it just, they, they, they got a structure that gradually looked like it was good and seemed to be working. And, it was just a question of digging back into the scenes within the structure and trying to find a way to make them funny and make them better and make them work emotionally. And, and it was just a, just a process of going back to the drawing board again and again. And, and so is that the same process then for the actors? So like during that animatic process, they come in and record that script and you guys make changes, they come back in and record the bits that you've changed again, like uh, do they, so they're going through that four or five years process as well. 
Yes and no. You know, what's successful and what works on their part stays. Um, and very often in animation, what happens uh, is you work with actors who have a track record or who are famous, and you can't like keep going back to the drawing board with them. Their, their salaries are, are kind of high, and you just don't have that kind of availability. So you record scratch tracks, and you record them with um, with actors who are not as well known, but who kind of like will give you a sense of what the quote unquote stars will. I don't know why I, I said "quote unquote" stars. They're actually are. They're stars. actually stars. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, but and and so you you work with in, with these um, scratch narrations, and then finally, um, when you feel like the scene's in a, in a good enough place, then you you go to the actors, to the stars, and you work with them. But I know, for instance, um, Mike had recorded the movie he has kind of a scottish accent or something like that yes. right in, in track he actually had recorded the entire movie without that accent um mm. and um they decided i think him and 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 everybody else that it actually called for the scottish accent so they he went in and, and, and redid the whole thing wow i that i was curious about that because um like actors like mike myers are are very uh, and and Eddie Murphy too. There there's a lot of creative, comedic, you know, uh, energy in those guys anyway. And I wonder how much like you see a lot of them uh, recording just like riffs and other you know lines and how much uh, like improvisation sometimes do the actors put on uh, in an animated film? Obviously on the on the set that kind of thing happens but when it comes to animation how much deviation happens from what you write versus what some of what they say particularly with guys like mike myers and eddie murphy who love to just kind of riff go off and do their own thing and, and, are, and are naturally funny uh okay i'm gonna give you an example there's a line where um uh somewhere like in the middle towards the end of the movie donkey uh says um uh, you know, when this is all over, I'm going to need a whole lot of therapy or something like that. And that was my line. And Eddie Murphy improvised, look, look, my eye twitching right now. And, uh, and, and what he did is he took a joke that was like, okay. And he just, you know, hammered it. So it really like went home. Yeah. So who, who created that, the song? Who created the song? I need to know. Which one? Which one? Uh, which Welcome one? to Duloc, the suburb big town. I don't know. I wish I knew the answer. Do, do you want to fire me and get somebody else on your show? No, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I need That's to know hilarious. I love the song. I know. It's very I know. Good. The song is it's hilarious. It's obviously a little bit of a dig at Disney, obviously, too, but since this is a DreamWorks right. photo or uh, film, oh, 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 to really? have a little fun with oh. with uh, with Disney Disney World. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's. I, I always wonder how much of that you know uh, happens in the in the writing room, and then they're like, "No, we're never we're never going to do that. We don't want to make somebody mad or whatever." But uh, but no, that was in the movie. That was awesome. I remember watching that scene. I was cracking up. Well, and they kept yeah, it for it the musical too. Yeah. Oh, I didn't right. see the musical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's okay. I actually, I'm, I'm curious. I, I want to do research to see how the musical happened. You know, you, you always wonder, how do they take uh, a movie that, 
has little to no music and then somehow writes a book and music and songs and right. kind of capture the original movie, but then also make it something different. And uh, Shrek is one of those. Um, I was going to be in a local production of it. And um, yeah, that song was so good. They brought it from the movie and kept it in the show. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. Wow. Well, I, I think I know who your next guest is going to be. You know, <laughs> I think we're going to have to find out the, the composer. Musical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did, does the Smash Mouth song make it into the musical? You think? It does. Yes. Really? Really? Yep. Yep. Yeah, they believe, they so do I that as an encore. the Broadway show was on Netflix a while back because I remember watching a little bit of it. Uh, you know, like a recorded. No way! Like, so, I didn't know that. Like they did Hamilton or whatnot, so oh, it's out there for. for it's out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's the the original right. Broadway class, but it was. It's a you know a big production. Yes. Um. So, the 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 I'd like to know then, um, because you you were involved in Trek Two as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um. What about three and four? Or five? I, I was not. <laughs> okay. That's why they're not as good, I think. Because <laughs> I mean, no, let's be honest. I, I, personally, I, I think Shrek two, what Shrek one and two were like. I mean, they're just they're good. Right? At some point, some of these movies they're very good. At some point, these movies start to get a little bit derivative and not as funny anymore. You know what I mean? They just kind of start to fall off. I didn't like as much the other ones. Is there a fifth one too? Or is there no, the one that I remember there being speculation out? or rumors about a fifth one being in pre-production at some point, but this was like pre-pandemic, really? so who knows? I think that they might do a reboot, but I don't know. So oh, I don't know who would be number five so much as a, as a who knows? It's right? going to be a live action yeah. reboot. No. Hey, DreamWorks <laughs> is going to go the route of Disney and start just making all their animated live action. Yeah, Kung Fu Panda, Shrek, and all these. We'll just bring him back as live action. Jack, Jack Black could still do the. Uh, he could do the panda so easily. Absolutely, he could do the. Um, That's so true. Motion capture for it. So I think it'll be funny. Um, so tell me about the the sequel process then. Like at some point, did somebody say, "Hey, we've got some more money. We would like to make another one of these," and then you get the call, or how does that work? Actually, I think two began while one was still in production. Oh, really? Uh, which is in part, I suppose, because it just takes such a long time to do it. Yeah, sure. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so like the first one, I, I was brought in a, as a rewrite guy because uh, I was on one when, when that was started, I think. Mm -hmm. I think. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just basically more of the same. Just do it faster because... We want to get it out there. Yeah. Papa needs a new airplane. There <laughs> you go. Now I know when, when, when movies are nominated for Oscars, especially ones that involve a team, like, like, like writing sometimes does and, uh, or sound editing or all that, you know what I mean? There's not one guy who does that. There's lots of, um, did you get to go to any of the award shows? Like, were you at the BAFTAs? Were you at the Oscars? Uh, I was at the Baptist, um, and I went with, um, Roger Shulman, um, and, uh, was it Ted or Terry? I think it was Ted who was there. Ted Elliott. I'm remembering his last name. <laughs> there you go. I feel the really man good was about two first names. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we were, we were there, uh, at the Baptist and, uh, I was not prepared at all. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think we were going to win. I was just 
so excited to just fly to London for free. Right. Yeah, and, I get that. Um, yeah, right. And <laughs> it was like business class. Like, come on, man, that's nuts. And uh, <laughs> we're there. And I was sitting on the aisle and the other riders were sitting, I was uh, to my right, you know, like away from the aisle and, and they were, you know, onto the category of whatever the, you know, screenplay for our category. And I got so scared because there was a cameraman to my left. Oh, I right. Like, I want no part of this man. And I'm praying, <laughs> please, not us, please, please. I don't want to, I don't want to go up there. And I, I wasn't, I just, I just went like on a lark. I was prepared for anything. So I just muttered something, you know, <laughs> really kind of fairly dumb. And that was the experience, but it was super, super cool. Hopefully you remembered Ted's last name when you were thanking him in the speech. Well, he was there to. Or, Terry, or Terry's, Terry's last name. <laughs> he was name. able to forget my last name. Right. Oh, yeah, Terry. <laughs> Terry was not there. His, Ted, Ted thanked him, uh, I, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not an experience if you're a neurotic. You want to. <laughs> oh, I can totally see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine. Oof. What? Uh, so you did? Did you? You didn't go to the Oscars. You weren't invited. Like, how does that work? Oh, no, I, we, I imagine we, it's pretty exclusive. We did go. It was oh, like, okay. It was. It was cool. But you yeah. know what? At the at the Baftas, I was I was shaking like a leaf. I was scared, and the, and the, at the Oscars, I had no fear whatsoever. And I knew intuitively that the reason I had no fear is that we were not going to have to win. There. And and uh, and in fact, we did not. <laughs> yeah. So what? I'm trying to remember what what did win that year, and because uh, it was I, the best best adapted screenplay was the category. Right. That would have been 2000. What 2001, 2002. Oh, it was 2002 uh, Oscars. It was a 2001 movie, I think. Right. Yeah. All that, that year, Gosford Park and A Beautiful oh. Mind won. Oh, those were screenplays. Okay. I guess one of them, I, I think maybe the latter was 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 adapted. Oh, I was going to say yeah. adopted, but. Adopted. I was too young at that point in time, guys. Sorry. <laughs> right. Those are some good, those are some, that's some stiff competition. That's tough though. competition for movies. sure. Gosford Park is one, that's a great movie. Oh, that um, was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, I would, I just can't even imagine getting to go to the Oscars. That's it. So oh, Lord of the Rings was more. also, uh, adapted a nominee fellowship what? of the oh, ring. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's, right, hard. that's right. It was that year. We, that's we met, tough to best. We met the writer. Too, right? We met Philippa, uh, yeah. somewhere. That's, oh, some, that's, that's cool. some stiff competition. So wait, was it not nominated for a BAFTA? You would think J.R. Tolkien would have like a, <laughs> like a fan club <laughs> in, in the, at the BAFTAs, right? Because of, of being from England and everything. Well, maybe you it was a different category. Like, maybe the BAFTAs separated. Yeah, I don't know if they animated had animated. Do you remember if it was separate um, categories for adapted and regular and BAFTAs? I don't think so. Okay. Um, my, my, the strongest memory I have of, of the Baptist is is um, is uh, afterwards seeing Robert Altman in the in the bathroom. That oh my gosh! Wow, that's, that's what I take away from the Baptist. <laughs> so, what what is your favorite um, series or or movie? What is your favorite you know project that you've worked on this far? In in TV, um, I I gotta say. Working on Pete and Pete and at the same time working on Beavis and Butthead was kind of like really magical for me because, because I have been honestly, 
I had spent about 15 years, you know, writing spec screenplays and, and, and trying to, you know, do this sort of thing. And to work on two shows that I like really enjoyed and also respected, that was like pretty great. So that was, I, I hate to say like that was the highlight, but it, it was, it was really, it yeah. felt like kind of meant to be in some way. It felt kind of great. See, so do you do film anymore? I know that you said in the beginning you you are doing um, like short films. I think that's what you had said um, in the beginning. Well, there's not like the film business has changed a lot, right, over the last ten or fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So I do like a little bit. I I I'm working on a on a on a feature a stream. Um, Curious George feature for streaming. Yes, I know. Oh, Sorry, I love it's Curious George. I really do. I've, I've worked on a few Curious George projects in the past, and just like you know, George and Ted, you know, the, and you know, this is a case where I actually don't need to know Ted's last name because yeah. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, and for uh, the longest time, we didn't even know his first name, right? He was just the man in the yellow hat. He was the man so, in the yellow hat for yeah. so long. I don't know how we became Ted, but I, I think the world. I, I feel like it was the movies with Will Ferrell voicing him that introduced him to Ted. Right. Was that the first time? I think so. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I do have a little bit of experience as Curious Storage because of our kids. So, Sure. Yes. Same. Well, I mean, I was reading Curious Storage when I was a kid. That's how yeah. far back Curious yeah. Storage goes. Yep, yep, yep. Same here. Yeah. It was, it was iconic when we were kids. Yeah, it was a it comic sure strip. Was. Yep. Now my three-year-old nephew uh, loves it. You know, sit there. Uh, he's he's autistic, and he'll just sit there and pretend that he's the monkey, and as he's oh, eating a banana, man. just oh. loves it, loves that, loves That's so cool, loves everything. Do you bit understand your monkey? What is that? That's a line <laughs> from that's from the show from the TV show. I understand right. my okay. monkey. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, the new show. Wait, what? <laughs> I have. <laughs> uh, I thought, is that a personal question? I, know, I don't right? know exactly what's happening right now. <laughs> just, I, I, I think I see that as a T-shirt, right? <laughs> that has right? To, right. That's like that's like a total promo to, promotional opportunity missed. Yeah. Well, we may have to create that and put it in the. the I think uh, so. I'm going to have to look up geek store. Have to put it in our store. <laughs> I feel like um, Joe has a sense of humor that's really great for when we do game nights. He just feels yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he's creative and he's is a writer. Like I, when we've had writers join us on there, uh, some of that we play. Sometimes we play. We have a game night where I don't know if you've ever heard of Jackbox games, um, but they're like these uh, games that you can play remotely with friends. All you, you have to do is answer questions or write prompts. You know, there's prompts and you know you. Mad Libs type games and stuff that you answer on your phone. It's trivia. Like, if you like trivia, yeah. I do not. Aaliyah does not um, like trivia. Well, so now that you have, uh, you know, I mean, you've been to the Oscars. I mean, I don't know. What, I mean, I guess you go from an Academy Award would be the next step. But um, just getting to go is obviously, you know, some people would say that's the pinnacle of their career. But now you've decided you, you, you've got the, the novel bug. You've decided to write uh, a novel. The man who came and went, and uh, I actually picked it up on Kindle. I started reading it um, about. I'm only about twenty percent in, so I can't like give away any spoilers for anybody. But, um, but uh, I mean, it was fast. I mean, already I'm hooked. I like. I want to find out what's what's happening. It's very interesting, um, and you do a great job of like painting the this the characters and this town 
uh, you know, is very vivid. Uh, you can kind of picture this happening. Um, tell us how the book came uh, to be for you as far as like from the, you know, from the idea to, to actually getting it published. Uh, what was that experience? Well, while I was um, working on, uh, on TV and, and in movies, um, in between jobs, I was working on a spec screenplay for uh, an indie film. And it was this story. And I was just uh, having a hell of a time, or sorry, a hard time, um, <laughs> figuring out the main character of this guy, Bill Bill. And I went back to the drawing board again and again. I would, I would kind of work on a job and come back to this and write a draft and feel like, that's it, man. I got it. I really, uh, I'm done. But then come back to this afterwards and realize that I, I wasn't. And so after a while, I just recognized that um, it, it, it may not be the best thing for an indie film. Essentially, the indie market began to really implode um, over the time that I was working on this thing. It was, a, you know, like, honestly, a couple of decades or longer. And so... I really love the story. I really love the characters and I wanted it to exist somewhere, uh, not just on my computer. And I just decided to try it as a novel. And as soon as I did, uh, it kind of fell into place and mm. I couldn't believe it took me so long to, to try it as a novel. You know, I, I just, I guess I had thought beforehand that everything had to be TV or movies, but the fact is it was, it was better for the story and it was really fun for me. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about what, what the difference, uh, like does your process change when you're writing for novel versus a uh, screenplay? Um, cause obviously one of the things that, you, cause as I started reading it, I was, I'm thinking this is a guy who's written screenplays and, and written movies and I've written, read other books by people who kind of started writing screenplays. Um, and you, you know, uh, they're very good at creating this like movie in your head because that's what they're, that's what they're good at. Right. They make movies in your head. Um, but this book, like there's a lot of inner dialogue from the main char character. Um, and we really kind of like, she's really thinking the stuff she's thinking about, uh, that, that would be really difficult to like necessarily paint the, the same like connection that we have to that character in a movie. So what is that process like for you? Do you, do you find that it's that you have more freedom in the novel form to kind of really get into their mind or is it harder to, to, to put it into a screenplay? What, which is, what are the differences in your mind? Well, the, the biggest difference is that movies have a sort of uh, grammar to their storytelling, right? It's, you know, you know, there's um, it's lean and, and it, it punches and, you know, uh, scenes have this beginning, middle, and end, which is actually kind of the true for true for novels. Um, but but in a novel, you go deeper into character, you know, than you ever really get to in a movie. And and movies are a different animal in part because actors bring a whole like level of humanity. Uh, you can give an actor one line and an actor will put so much into that line that, you know, you have a whole human being there. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a novel, 
um, the writer is really responsible for the whole human being. And, and so you have the option and you really have the necessity to go, to go deeper. And that's actually really cool because you can get into the, you get into the parts of a human being that are kind of like the deeper parts of you and that I, I love. Yeah. Um, why don't you give for our audience kind of a brief summary of what to expect? Like, what is this story about? Okay. I'm prepared with that. I've got <laughs> what I'm calling the verbal story. Okay. Um, so, so there's a diner, right? It's called Maybell's Diner, and it's located in a tiny Arizona town uh, in the middle of the desert. And one day, a mysterious stranger walks in just as the grill cook throws down a spatula and quits. And the stranger winds up getting a job as a grill cook. Only he's not just a, a good cook. He knows what people want to eat before they order. His name is Bill Bill. And as the word spreads, people from all over come to this small town to get their orders mind read. Hmm. And Bill's cooking starts to change people's lives. Neat. Oh. A psychic, that's where I am a psychic right now grill in the cook. story that there everybody is um, oh. is, is kind of like has realized that this is his skill and uh, and they're all like, you know, I think a, a patron just came in and was trying to get the waitress and and uh, and then uh, the waitress like looks over at him. He nods and they bring the food and, it, and he was like, I didn't even tell you what I want. Yeah, that was that's kind of where I am right now. And I'm Neat. just like, I would, I would love that. Like, can it's, this it's, be so a real? Far, it's very interesting. Yeah, I'm loving it. So I need this to be a real thing because I go into a restaurant. I never know what I want to eat. But if there was just someone that was just like, you want pancakes, a hamburger and three sausages. I don't know. Like just something very random. You know, like that's I just, an interesting or, I know. This should be in a clothing store. It should, it should be, be like, it you know, everywhere. Real estate agent should have this. <laughs> Can I just That's have this person with me the day. entire my entire day, just with me? Oh, you just pay them like a like a uh, like a chauffeur, right? right. Just, well, yeah, dating dating services. It should be everywhere. Yeah, right? Dating services. Yes. Hmm. Well, it's, it's also, this also goes back into the book that we read for. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Podcast. Oh, the, de the demolished yeah. man. So we, we the read, read man, the demolished yes. man by Alfred Bester. It was the first Hugo Award winner um, with some friends of ours who have a podcast, uh, a writing podcast, and uh, that it's a really great book. And uh, I was I was actually going to bring that exact thing up, Aaliyah, because there's there's some description that you give in the beginning of how. Where, so, okay, so it's told from first person, from the main character, and she is, uh, she explains how Bill says, how he, how he thoughts, you know, how he hears the thoughts. And the, and the way he describes it is similar to these, these future characters who are able to see and hear, you know what I mean? Like they have, they don't, they don't talk. It, it's it's talking it's slowly, telepathy. It's thinking it to each other oh. is faster and things like that. And so I was loving that. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really cool because it's just this like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I just love how sci fi just kind of like, you know, what I mean, like it, it, it comes it seeps into everything and has these cool little ideas. And if you haven't read that book, you, sh you should. I think you'll enjoy it because I just wrote it down. It sounds yeah, great. It's a neat book. It's, yeah. it's, it's oh, a society so where uh, a class of people 
have the ability that Bill Bill has basically. Um, okay. So therefore you can't get away with murder because everybody knows what you're thinking um, or not everybody. Sorry. Just the, just the telepaths. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're kind of an upper class because of this. Um, and then, but the, the, one of the main characters decides he's going to kill someone anyway. And he tries, so he's trying to commit the perfect crime in a world where you're, you're not supposed to be able to. And then it's about the detective. It's like a cat and mouse kind of thing, uh, trying to catch him. So check it out. That sounds great. How bear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you imagine how boring our podcast would be if we were all just speaking and with our minds <laughs> right. and not using our, I know nobody would, would, would just, you know, we just turn on, we would just sit here and they would know what we're thinking and then we'd be done. It probably wouldn't take any time at all. We could, we could get Joe on his way like so much sooner. <laughs> right. He's like, I, you know, I need, I got things to do here. Um, but uh, yeah. So tell us, um, tell us a little bit more about the book, anything that you want to share, uh, you know, especially you know, how they can find it and things like that. Well, you can uh, go to my website, uh, joestillman.com, uh, and uh, the book is really available in, in bookstores like Barnes & Noble, and it's also on Amazon and um, plenty of other um, virtual online places as well. Yeah. yeah, I can confirm that. That's where I got it, Amazon. So. Right, on Kindle. Wow. The, um, uh, yeah. And it, like I said, it's really, really good so far. I'm enjoying it. Are you getting a chance, I mean, to do any kind of, uh, I don't know, like a book tour? Like, how are you getting the word out? Are you, I mean, with, with obviously COVID has kept people from doing that kind of stuff for a couple of years. Maybe people are getting back into it. I don't know. Uh, what is, what is marketing a novel right now look like in this environment? Well, because of COVID, I think the tour, you know, takes place just me in my shower. Just you know, like singing and pretending and signing a book. Because uh, you're at your desk, you're just oh, there. You go. But Sorry. the um, but come May, I think um, I'll be back east, uh, New York, and uh, points north. And I think we're looking to to set up some um, engagements uh, at that point. So you can get a signed copy if you wanted to. Very cool. Yeah. Can, you, yeah. can you sign my Kindle copy? I don't know if that's possible. I mean, just, <laughs> well, I think you can sign your Kindle. <laughs> right. Well, it's my iPad. Just, actually. In, in Sharpie, I'll just write on your it's iPad. Just write on the screen. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, but yeah, so that's exciting. Um, so what's, what is next then? Uh, is there, now I haven't gotten to the end, so maybe, maybe it's just like, this is it. Or do you think this is a world, a Bill Bill and these characters, this is a world you might return in to in a world. If, and if you can say without spoiling anything, I don't know. Um, or do you have other ideas for novels that you're working on next? Well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm liking the, um, clothing store idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know, I, I've been with these characters for a long, long, long time and I, and I really, really love them. And so if, if the book, you know, does, does well, I, I would love to do a, another one. Um, cause I have an idea. Um, but it's also, I'm too superstitious to really go down that road. So sure. you know, just wait and see. I, I will say, I think the book is, is really good. And, um, we've had some, you know, we, we, I have Facebook friends and they started to read it and, and we're getting some really great, great reactions. And so I'm, I'm hoping we'll keep going from there as, as a starting point and, and go out, go out. 
go out big. Nice. <laughs> to the world with this. That's awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Like I said, I'm really enjoying it. I can't wait to finish it. Um, everybody should go and check it out. What about from uh, movies and screenplays? Anything, any projects that you can speak about? Uh, the only one that I believe will get made at this point is that Curious George project that I, I right. told you about. Okay. Love it. So that's what's next, hopefully. Love that. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so let's see. I want to make sure that we get all of your um, social information and stuff out there. So if people want to follow you on on uh, Twitter or Instagram, uh, do you want to tell us wh- what those are? Um. On Instagram, I, I'm Joe the Stillman, mm-hmm. and on Twitter, I never use it, so I can't <laughs> remember who I am. <laughs> so I would say Instagram, and, and I'm starting to post some stuff for the book on Instagram. So actually, that would be a great place to uh, check in. Oh, cool. Awesome. We'll do I do. I got you. There you awesome. Go. Nice. <laughs> I should do All the right. same. Well, I want to uh, thank our, our guest, Joe, for being here tonight. It is an absolute pleasure um, to have you. Uh, would love to have you back, especially if there is a follow-up to the book, because we, you know, then we can talk about, uh, then we can spoil the, this one a little bit, because, you know what I mean, <laughs> it'll been out for a while, and it's like, you should have read it by now. Um, like, like we could spoil Shrek by now, I think, right? We can tell people what happened in Shrek. I don't know. I think legally you may find yourself uh, subject of a lawsuit, but you know, <laughs> uh, that's, it's out of Joe's hands now. Yeah, it's- that's true. <laughs> Listen, guys, thank you for having me. This was really fun uh, hanging out and talking with you guys. So thanks for having me on. No, it's no, fantastic. It's, it's, thank you for being our guest. Great. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, Utah. Happy birthday. Thank, thank you. Yeah, happy for birthday. Being here with us. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't get you anything. (laughs) (laughs) Your presence is gift enough, Joe. Right. Exactly. That's what I, that's, I agree. Uh, And it's not even my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. All right. Well, next week on the show is our Oscar pre our Oscar pre-show. Preview. uh, 2022. We will be here from seven to eight. We will get off right at eight because we got to see the awards we want to watch it all uh, live so uh, we'll tell you some of our predictions we'll talk about some of the movies that we saw and uh, hopefully you'll be in the chat telling us some of yours uh, we'll see you guys next week thanks for coming we're waving waving go see the Batman the podcast is real is a world gone geek production